Welcome to the Hello Law podcast. This is our first episode and to kick things off, we're joined by a very special guest. This is Fiona Fleming, who is the firm's diversity and inclusion manager. In the episode, we discuss Fiona's journey to joining BDB Pittman's, her passion for diversity and inclusion, alongside her insights into what law firms and the legal sector in general can do more of in this space. Also, if you stay till the end, Fiona shares the greatest piece of advice to the generation of upcoming lawyers, so you probably don't want to miss that. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Fiona, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today and for being our first guest. It would be great, I think, to start off by telling our listeners a bit more about yourself, your background, both academic, but also for your career. Yeah, sure. So I am actually originally from Australia. I was born and raised in a very small little beach town called Wellington Point in uh, Brisbane in Queensland. Very much led the kind of life that you do see on Summer Bay. Went to university and actually studied English literature, but also German military history, which is a little bit specialist and uh, a bit <laughs> random, I think, for, for most people who knew me. Um, and I was actually the only girl who studied mm -hmm. that in my class so that was an interesting experience for me and then I actually did a postgraduate degree in writing editing and publishing so really I had sort of a 20-year career working in the publishing industry started out in a publishing house in Australia um, a small university press uh, and then I just got a bit bored of Brisbane life which I think most people find a bit strange and decided to just move halfway across the world to the UK uh, and see if I could make it over here. And so most of my career so far here in the UK has actually been in the publishing industry and then kind of slowly made my way more onto the, the business side of publishing. A natural flow from there was to start working in legal publishing. Uh, it's where my sort of love affair with the, the legal industry took hold. I kind of never looked back really. So that's me in a nutshell. Now, you mentioned that you moved into law quite swiftly after your publishing work, and you worked mm. for the Legal 500, which I think many of our listeners will know for their rankings sure. of law firms and uh, yeah. chambers, yeah. and also the first 100 years, which I hadn't actually heard of until recently with yeah. their work celebrating women in law. Uh, so what was it that led you to take yeah. those roles? So actually, um, I mean, the way that I got into legal publishing um was way before the Legal 500 and actually I worked for Solicitor's Journal and Managing Partner magazine so I was the, I was the head of legal publishing for the ARC group which owned both of those magazines and you know I, I got into that because it was it was a publishing job and it just so happened that we were publishing uh, magazines and books for the legal industry so that's that's sort of how I got into legal publishing and then as part of that work, I found out about the first 100 years project. So I'm one of uh, the champions of the first 100 years project. Um, and really that started because we interviewed Dana Dennis-Smith about what she was doing. And she then uh, invited uh, me and the managing editor of Solicitor's Journal at the time to become project champions. Just women in legal, but women in general can have a tough time in the work environment. So it's a, it is a cause that's very close to my heart. And I think at heart, I'm sort of a bit of a, like a wannabe lawyer. 
That sounds a bit <laughs> sad, doesn't it? Um, I think my mum was always super disappointed that I didn't do a law degree. And I've always sort of had a real fascination with the legal industry, but I just don't think I would ever have it in me to, to be a lawyer. So this for me is like the next best thing. I kind of get to hang out with the industry without having to do the law degree and all of the hard work of uh, going through a traineeship and working my way up. So I get the best of both worlds. That sounds great. To be fair, my dad always wanted me to be an engineer and that's never happened. So that's not that I'm not. Children disappointed. <laughs> exactly. So I, I understand. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. That's really interesting to hear. And I wanted to touch on, obviously, you mentioned that this attraction to the legal industry. Mm-hmm. And obviously, now you have this role at B2B Pittman's. Yeah. Would you be able to share a bit why, how did this opportunity come around and sure. why you chose to join the, the firm? Of course, I would love to talk about that. Um, so I think like a lot of people during the first lockdown of March 2020, which seems a lifetime ago and also seems like yesterday, really, um, I I was a casualty, I guess, of furlough and then redundancy. So I was sadly made redundant um, in the summer of last year and found myself a little bit adrift, um, taking on the role of full-time mum again, (laughs) which was quite stressful in a lockdown. And it sort of, it did make me focus. I had a lot of time to think about what I really wanted to get out of my career. And I think I realised then that I wasn't necessarily keen in going and doing D&I in, say, a publishing area, which is obviously sort of where my career had been, but I was really keen to actually start focusing. Um, I really wanted to be part of an actual law firm. So I saw the job with BDB Pittman's. I was approached by um, a recruiter who was obviously working on behalf of the firm who uh, strongly encouraged me to apply for the role. Um, And it was all a very swift process, actually. And I think you know, one of the key reasons I took the role at BDB Pittman's, I think the size of the firm was really attractive to me. Um, I have real no, no real interest in working for a massive magic circle international law firm. I like the fact that it's a slightly smaller firm where I could feel like I was making a difference and not just be a kind of small cog in a big machine. I sort of appreciated where BDB Pittman's is on their DNI journey. I do love a good journey. Um, and I was sort of excited by the opportunity to to really be a part of that and to, I guess, make a difference, which is something I'm really driven by. And plus, I just had so much fun during the interview process. I honestly had so much fun, which I think feels a bit weird to say uh, <laughs> that you've had fun on a job interview. But I was I just felt immediately very at ease with everybody that I met. And I did meet a good number of people across the firm during that process. And every single one of them, I came away thinking, I think I'm going to have a really great time working with all of you. I felt that there was a genuineness to every conversation that I had that I didn't necessarily get from a lot of the other law firms that I was interviewing with at the time. So that's really why I decided to take it, the opportunity and the people. Now, you said that you love a good journey. I do. Um, so where did your diversity <laughs> inclusion journey start? Does it start from growing up in Australia? Does it start from your time at university, your working career? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably something that's been with me for a really long time, even though it's only become a career for me probably in the last kind of five to six years. So um, back in Australia, my dad is actually retired now, but was an accountant um, and auditor. He owned his own accounting firm. And a lot of the work that he did, he specialised with people in the arts industry. So artists, musicians, writers, painters. Um, but he had a specific interest in Indigenous communities and Indigenous art and culture in Australia, which is, you know, sadly dying out, really. And he did a lot of community outreach work um, with those arts communities and helping to um, revive traditional ways of uh, yeah, developing their art. And I think it, I think the way in which he expressed uh, his admiration for those cultures, the work that he did, the way he never judged um, the way that people lived or the lifestyle choices, like choices that they made had a really strong impact on me. So I think I've always kind of carried that through in whatever I do. Um, I also think it's kind of part of the Australian culture to root for the underdog. <laughs> um, and a lot of the work that we do in DNI is essentially rooting for the underdog. Um, it's about lifting up, um, you know, minority groups who have not had the same opportunities as others um, and helping them to fight their own corner and to make people see their worth. From a career perspective, as I said, it, it kind of five to six years that this is really what I want to do with my life. And I think it's because it's the perfect mix of sort of how I live my life and what my values are. And being able to do that on a daily basis in the work that I do is is sort of incredibly rewarding. Um, and it's definitely been spurred on by having worked for various people and in various industries that really brought out the fact that organisations need help in this area um, and sort of having been on the receiving end of some of that experience myself, sort of not wanting to stand for that anymore. Thank you. That's a really beautiful <laughs> thoughts, uh, Fiona. <laughs> Thank okay. you for sharing that so much, uh, uh, especially from we were touching about your background before and how this obviously has impacted. I think. Yeah everyone background is such an important part of our life and it shapes you know who we are and who we want to be and obviously this is very evident in yeah in what you want to become and you know what really drives you and i think it'd be really interesting if you could also share in terms of this dni role that you have what is the sort of areas that you're mostly curious about or some of the points you you know want to pursue mm -hmm. i i mean i'm i'm curious about everything really i am one of those annoying people that constantly wants to ask questions and i was definitely <laughs> that child my mum said that never took uh the first answer that i was given but why but why but why um has kind of been a constant refrain <laughs> throughout my life um and i'm i'm sure my teammates could attest to that as could my boss at this point in time um I, I sort of, I think I'm, I'm really interested in challenging the concept. Um, I think what you find a lot with D&I conversation, uh, why don't women get ahead? Well, we need to teach them how to be more confident. We need to teach them how to network better. We need to teach them blah, blah, blah. Um, 
women are great women we're fine on our own thank you very much it's the structures and the processes that mm. need to change um, so that's the thing that uh, that I guess really fuels my curiosity is how you can unpick decades or centuries long structures in particular industries that have been inherently biased uh, towards a particular group of people and how you can start to unpick that um, to really make effective change. So that's, for me, um, a real driver for why I do what I do. There's no area really of DNI that I'm more or less interested in. I'm, I'm quite keen to learn more about what I call the the lesser ticket items of DNI. So I think a lot of people do get um, wowed or their interest is piqued by the big ticket items around gender, around race, around sexual orientation, because, uh, you know, those have been the biggest, uh, you know, topics that that have kind of come to the fore in the last 10 to 15 years. But actually things like mental health, um, physical disability in the workplace, how, how we make those adjustments for people um, and how we build a culture of inclusion. Uh, it's not just about ticking a box. It's about actually making people feel that they will belong um, and will be respected from the minute they have contact with you, whether it's as a client, whether it's as uh, a future employee. So I think those are the things that kind of keep my curiosity going, uh, keep my interest levels up. And also the fact that you learn new things every day. Uh, mm. The conversation evolves all of the time. Um, DNI is not a static area, which is also really <laughs> great, keeps me employed. Um, but there's, you know, every day is an opportunity to learn something new. And that's what I like. No, that's a great point. And it's, it's, it's a matter of just, yeah, learning every day and not stopping, isn't it? It's just going beyond. Yeah, and, being curious, yeah. being respectful, yeah. asking questions and listening, listening to what mm -hmm. people are saying to you and taking it on board. Yeah, I share about thing. I think listening is such an undervalued, uh, you know, <laughs> aspect of for many people. Yeah. A lot of people like to talk more than they listen. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I completely agree. Uh, from the next point actually before we were preparing for this episode we we sort of have a search <laughs> on we your did profile our just to get something I found this quote actually on your profile from the first 100 years website yeah which i thought would be nice and interesting one to bring up maybe to discuss with you sure. which just reads that you say i've been exposed to many strong successful and inspiring women but so many of them never seem to break through that glass ceiling and especially in industries such as legal the struggle for women seems so much harder uh, I know you touched upon this mm. before, but I wonder if you had any thoughts particularly coming out from this quote and why it's so significant and important for you. Um, I mean, obviously, as a woman, um, I have certainly uh, experienced those things firsthand. Things like being passed over for promotion or being told I'm either too loud and vivacious or not loud and vivacious enough or too friendly or not friendly enough, um, not wearing the right clothes. So I've sort of been exposed to a lot of those types of behaviors. And as I've gotten older, it's just made me a little bit angrier every single day, really that things don't seem to be moving as fast as, as we would like them to do. And I think in an industry such as 
such as legal, which is steeped in history, some of those problems or challenges are exacerbated. Um, and obviously, at, at the time when I was signing up to be a champion for the first 100 years project, um, you know, I think I was overly exposed to that because I was working in legal publishing and it was surprising um, when we would reach out to law firms asking um, for them to suggest people who could write articles for our magazines. I would say nine times out of 10, we were given white male partners and we would go back and say, can you please give us um, a few other people, perhaps of a different gender, perhaps from a different you know, race or ethnicity. Um, and it was a real struggle for us to actually find many law firms who were willing to go beyond white male partners in terms of who they thought were the best people to talk about uh, the industry. So for me, it was um, a bit of a no brainer to get involved with that. I am now here I am <laughs> doing it from the inside. You said obviously that the legal industry is primarily outwardly faced by some middle-aged white men um, hmm. who tend to be the spokesperson or all the preferred spokesperson yeah. for issues within the legal industry. Do you think that's part of the reason why firms and the profession more generally needs to do more. How do you think that as individuals and as firms and as a profession, we can make this difference? Because it's one thing acknowledging that there are people in our profession that mm. face a disadvantage or even getting in to the profession mm -hmm. can face a disadvantage. So how do you think that we as a community can make that more accessible and make the change that ne that's necessary for those mm -hmm. people? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a great question. And I, th I think the first step is, is to actually just be talking about it because if you don't talk about it, no one's ever going to hear an opinion, you know, uh, that, that doesn't reflect their own. So I think it's really important just to start having conversations. And really the great thing is that the legal industry is having those conversations and actually they've been having them, you know, for a while now. I definitely saw during you know, the past 12 months, the number of law firms that are actually now making that proper investment into DNI, and obviously BDB Pittman's is is an example of that. I, I, I think the commitment now has um, solidified. And I would say the one positive of the legal industry is this is one of the areas in which we are not in competition with each other. And I really, really like that. Uh, the number of other DNI people that I know working in other law firms um, who are willing to share their knowledge, who are willing to share what they're doing at their firms that's working, that isn't working, they're happy to share who their contacts are. Um, I think there is a general understanding in the legal industry that this is the area where we all need to work together to be better. And it's it's not about working in a silo in that respect. So I think that's, you know, that's actually a really positive thing about the legal industry. Moving beyond just having a conversation about it, as you say, you know, it's, you've actually got to walk the talk. Is that, the, I, I'm terrible with phrases like that, but it, it's about, you can't just say, we, we do agree that there should be more women partners or that there should be more black and minority ethnic partners at the law firm. It has to be, what are you actually doing then to change that beyond saying it? And that kind of goes back to my other point that I made earlier about unpicking process, finding where the bias creeps in 
and putting things in place to stop that. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody has bias. Everybody has bias. I'm biased. You're both biased in various ways. Not all bias is bad. As long as firms and the industry in general is is committed to doing the unpicking and the putting back together and crucially inviting those minority groups to the conversation and allowing them to be a part of of the solution is vitally important vitally important and i think my my one thing which is often this is not specific to the legal industry but most places will put the onus of change on the minority groups so it's up to women to tell men how to make them feel more included it's up to black and minority ethnic people to tell people how to make it better for them it's up to disabled people to tell organizations how to make it more inclusive however that is wrong i don't agree with that it is up to the majority people <laughs> to self-educate and look at how they can make it better I educate myself all of the time around the areas that are not part of my lived experience. And I think that is where a lot of programs fall down is that you are expecting the minority group to fix the problem that they did not create. And that's never going to work. So that's my little <laughs> takeaway. That was, sorry, I went up on my little sassy horse there for, a, <laughs> no for a minute, but it is something I'm super passionate about. No, that's a great point. And I'm glad you mentioned their self-education mm. because one of the next points we wanted to touch on, obviously, as you say, it's important that you know, everyone's sort of active in a sense rather than passive in terms of learning what the problem is and acting on it rather than just waiting for someone else to fix it. Or like you say, waiting for the minority to yeah. fix it. So I think it'd be useful if you could share some of the ways you self-educate on a daily basis and how others could go about learning more about what the issues are and what can be yeah. done in terms of changing of course it. i mean thankfully it's it's part of my job to to keep up to date um i read a lot mm -hmm. i do a lot of research um i'm part of a number of um dni groups business management groups um to, to sort of help keep me on top of those things um but i also do a lot of i guess extracurricular reading it's not hard to do a Google search <laughs> um, around any type of topic. And uh, so recently we obviously had uh, DNI Fortnite and we had the session, let's talk about race. And, you know, one of the things that we were all encouraged to do was to sort of have, um, build our own personal race pledge. And actually when I went back to my bookshelves, I realized um, I, I do have quite, quite a, a good amount of black literature coming from an English literature background that, um, you know, I, I do have a lot of that. But actually, in terms of history, I didn't. I had a lot of fiction. And fiction is great, don't get me wrong. But actually, there was a real gap in my knowledge of of, of black history in the UK. Um, and so I, I did what I believe any normal person would do. I went on um, to Amazon. I'm so sorry. I know that Amazon can be a bit evil, but they're really fast um, in delivering stuff. Um, and I just I bought a whole bunch of books. I just, I Googled. I had a look at the ones that I thought were going to be really, really helpful. I took recommendations from friends about books that they thought I should read. Um, and I bought them. 
and I read them. And anybody can do that. Anybody with a curious mind and an internet connection can self-educate um, about any topic that they're interested in, in learning more about. Um, and the next thing on my list is that uh, I want to learn British Sign Language. So that's my next self-education moment, something I've been wanting to do for a while now. Um, lots of little things that you can do but it is really really important and it just helps you to have more meaningful conversations with people um, where you're not actually coming at everything from a place of ignorance um, but if you have that kind of base level of, of knowledge you can open up a more meaningful conversation with someone. You mentioned diversity and inclusion fortnight which I thought mm. was phenomenal we had some oh, amazing yeah, sessions with <laughs> uh people from within our firm of different uh oh. different rankings and different statures and also our external speakers who were amazing and thank you you didn't even stop there you've done international women's week some <laughs> lovely mental health sessions um you have come into the firm in the words of Miley Cyrus like a wrecking ball um and you it's oh, I think wow. it's so easy for someone to come into a new environment and think okay I'll keep quiet for a little while maybe I'll do one or two events but you have really come in and shaken it up and I think I've really appreciated it Ludo I know you've really appreciated it you yeah, had some so, great feedback yeah. and someone else who appreciated it or I should say some other people were the Magic Circle Awards um, you, <laughs> oh my gosh like, you I'm so been... glad you're not videoing this because my cheeks have gone really red <laughs> You've been nominated for Diversity in and Gender Positive Role Model of the Year for your amazing work. How does that feel? Oh my gosh. Um, can I be honest? A, a little bit embarrassing. Um, I, as much as I'm obviously a quite outgoing and kind of positive person, things like that make me very nervous and um, I don't really like um, being in the spotlight. It, it does make me quite uncomfortable. Nonetheless, that said, it was obviously quite thrilling. I did do a cheeky dance um, <laughs> when I got the email through. Might have cracked open a bottle of something nice that evening when I found out. Um, it's obviously lovely to to be recognised um, for sort of the thing that you love it's it's a really great feeling but it's n it's not why I do what I do and I would happily never win an award um or even be nominated for an award uh, as long as I, I kind of get to do what I'm doing and I can actually see tangible and real change happening that I know I've played a part of um and obviously DNI Fortnite was not just me. There was like an incredible number of people across the firm who who helped to put that put that together. Um, who obviously all deserve to be recognised for the input that they had as well. I'm much more a team person than a solo person, so it feels a bit weird. But nice, <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that. I've said it, so it's out there. I've said it. Weird but nice. You can quote me. So humble. <laughs> I think well you can say that. humble, but I think it's more just a bit uncomfortable. And a bit, I'm just a bit awkward um, about a lot of things, really. Um, anyone that knows me would 
probably use that word to describe how I am in most scenarios, just a bit awkward, um, so, <laughs> which is probably how I'll be on the night um, when the actual ceremony happens, just a bit awkward. Well, I think it's very well deserved <laughs> after all Thank your you. you and your team's yeah. hard work. I think it's, Thank you. it's wonderful to see mm-hmm. you be uh, recognised and, f- and for that to even be a, a category because years ago, yeah. people may not have even recognised those no. people making an effort to mm-hmm. be inclusive uh, in terms of diversity and gender. I absolutely agree with you. And I think, um, you know, even though I did work at the legal 500 um since my departure they've they've not done a lot around diversity and inclusion but actually chambers and partners um are doing some really great work in trying to sort of promote the diversity and inclusion uh, efforts of the legal industry um you know they've got awards going on all over the world and i think it's it is really nice to start that that organizations are actually starting to be awarded for the work that they're doing in this area it's absolutely vital to an organization's success to take dni seriously um it is <laughs> it, it kind of you know is the lifeblood of of an organization is how it treats its people and how it r- reflects the society that it's it's there to serve so yeah i think from that respect it, it's really nice to see how much more seriously it is now being taken I 100% agree with that. Um, it is really, really lovely to see firms making more of an effort to have an inclusive environment and to encourage those people from a diverse background to come forward and to embrace mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, the people that are coming up into law who may be from a diverse mm-hmm. background um, or, or mm-hmm. may not may not be, but may want to be an ally or mm. a supporter What do you think your Mm -hmm. biggest piece of advice is for those people or those people who may be interested in a career at BBB Pittman's? I honestly think be yourself is is so important and it's it is actually really hard when you're younger. I'm so much more confident in myself now that I'm um, getting towards middle age. It's hard to say that but it's true. (laughs) Um, But actually the times when I have enjoyed myself the most at work the times when I've felt the most fulfilled is when I was able to be myself um, with all of my kind of awkwardness and my quirks and um, my slightly not corporate way of doing things and I've always been happiest in organizations that embraced that part of my personality and who I was Um, and I've absolutely felt that since I've been at BDB Pittman's I can I can be myself all of the time I'm unfiltered and it's such a nice feeling to be that way Um, I felt it during my interview process I have not been let down with the people that I've met across the firm since then and I've had an entire (laughs) my entire career at, at BDB Pittman's has been in lockdown I've not actually met anybody yet face to face um so for me to feel so much part of the family without actually having met anyone uh, i think says a lot uh, about the culture of the firm and, and how we are with each other we've obviously now launched our new values um and i'm i'm super excited about those because i think it's really going to help shape who we want to be as a law firm 
but I think that is my single biggest piece of advice is please be yourself um, and don't don't let anyone tell you you should be anything other than what you are Paul in my lunch hour today and you know Rue <laughs> Rue's always got brilliant life advice that's my other piece of advice is what would Rue do that's what I tell myself every day when I'm struggling uh, <laughs> with making a decision I'm like what would Rue Paul do and I always end up making the right decision so when in doubt think like Rue RuPaul wouldn't settle for a firm that didn't appreciate someone for who they were. So you've got to be yourself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? So that is true. That's some fantastic <laughs> advice. Thank you, Fiona. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I really enjoyed uh, recording this and I'm sure I've learned a lot and I'm sure so yeah, will agree. It's, it's, it's been, been an, an absolute pleasure. pleasure and it's <laughs> yeah, lovely to hear <laughs> the insight from someone who has so much experience and has put on so many amazing events and to chat to you and hear your internal monologue about such important topics has been amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me on to, to talk. It's It's been a lot of fun, which is as it should be. Yeah, exactly. And if our listeners are interested in reaching out, are you happy for them to yes, reach out Yes, please. Media, any or? way they want to. My email address, LinkedIn. Fantastic. I occasionally <laughs> go over to the Twitters. Um, <laughs> um, but mostly LinkedIn and email are good for me. Thank you so much for listening to this Hello Law podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us a review to let us know what you think. And also don't forget to hit follow to avoid missing out on any new episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.